The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Just looking scary. All right. Tonight on Rams Showcase, the offseason begins for the L.A. Rams. Plus, how did the Rams players fare this season? And later, Sheriff Joe Bags predicts what Rams free agents will stay and who will go. Next on Rams Showcase. Welcome to Rams Showcase on Sports War Radio. What's going on, Rams fans? And welcome back to another edition of Rams Showcase right here on Sports War Radio. I am your host, Joe Branham, but you can and should call me Sheriff Joe Bags, laying down the law for you guys today. And uh, in unfortunate news, the, the Rams season, the 2019 season, is officially over for the LA Rams. And uh, that's that's not as awesome, but we do get a pretty interesting offseason ahead of us for sure. We got a lot of stuff that's going to happen this offseason. We're going to see a lot of uh, coaching shakeups, uh, a lot of roster shakeups, and you know, of course, at the same time, we're also going to get uh, we're we're going to get some some big news. I mean, we're going to get obviously the new stadium, new colors, new logo, new uniforms, all that stuff. It's all going to be fun. It sucks that this season's over, but you know what? Next year, it's going to. It's going to be fun. Uh, you know, it's always fun, to me at least. But uh, we're going to go ahead and hop into uh, some news for you guys. Uh, I want to start with this one. Uh, the, of course, we now know that the opponents for next season, for the 2020 season, are officially set. And what the Rams' schedule is going to look like, obviously, we won't know until about April. That's when uh, the NFL schedule usually releases. But we do know that the Rams will be taking on the NFC East, the AFC East, and as far as same-place finishers, uh, the Rams finishing in third place in the NFC West, the Rams will host the Bears and play at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, The Buccaneers, for the first time in their franchise's history, putting up 50-plus points, and that was this year against the Rams at the Coliseum. This is a third-place schedule, as I had mentioned, but uh, I did want to mention this as well, though, that even though the Rams have a third-place schedule technically coming into this uh, next season, the 2020 season, the Rams had a first-place schedule in uh, 2019, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, at least we get a third-place schedule. It's going to be easier. Well, I mean, the Rams went 2-0 and in the first-place schedule opponents, which was the Chicago Bears and New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Rams beat the Saints in Week 2, and then, of course, uh, later on in the season defeated the Bears. So... Uh, third place schedule, first place schedule. The Rams didn't get affected necessarily by the first place schedule, and went two and zero in those games. So uh, I, I I only mention that because it's not necessarily making it easier. And also, I mean, keep in mind the Buccaneers are going to be a very different team next year. The Bears are going to be a different team next year. The Bucks probably going to have a different quarterback. I would guess. 
especially considering Bruce Arians' comments on Jameis Winston after the season ended. So uh, likely a new quarterback there. Who knows what they're going to look like? It's going to be very interesting. If they get rid of Winston, who is a turnover machine, could be a very interesting game. Rams and Bucks have played some some fun games to watch over the last couple of years. I remember uh, watching Robert Quinn sack Jameis Winston at the very end of that game. Uh, that was that lightning delay game, uh, which was a disaster. That was like an hour and a half, two hour delay. And there was only like two minutes left in the game. And I ended up leaving, actually. That sucked. I left the bar because I was like, you know what? This is taking way too long. And I'd been there for like five hours already. And uh, yeah, went on to win it, though. That was fun. I got to catch the tail end of it when I got home, which was cool. But uh, moving on into more news. Sean McVay will meet with the coaching staff next week to discuss their futures. Biggest names to keep an eye on in this one, of course, Wade Phillips, defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams. But we're also looking at Aaron Cromer, who is the Rams offensive line coach as well as assistant head coach. A lot of people kind of bashing Cromer and I've seen like wildly inconsistent uh, opinions on Aaron Cromer. Some people saying that this guy deserves a raise. He he did, you know, a lot with with so little with the injuries along the offensive line. He was able to to have, you know, Edwards and Evans come in and play great. Austin Corbett came in and he played awesome at the left guard spot, especially for who he is, you know, a player that was cast out by the Cleveland Browns and came over to the Rams kind of just off the street and needed to play and you know in that situation I think he did a very good job of course probably could have been better probably could have had some uh some different you know so so a little bit stronger performances in some some regards but overall for his situation I thought he played played really well on that right side with David Edwards and Bobby Evans holding down the right side of the line. I thought they did an awesome job coming in as rookies. They both look like they could come in as starters next season, so that'll be something to watch out for as well, uh, what this offensive line is going to look like. But Cromer, definitely in charge of that unit. And I think overall, cons- all things considered, with you know Havenstein not playing that well, Whitworth not playing uh, as well, and then the injuries that the team uh, took on. Uh, and let alone, I mean, getting rid of Roger Saffold and... Uh, and uh, what was it? I'm, t- I'm totally blanking on it. John, John Sullivan. Excuse me for that. I totally was blanking on that name. But even losing losing the two veteran guys like that and then still able to find that success, I think, was very huge. So Cromer, that's going to be a name to watch. Uh, we'll see if any other teams are interested in looking at him. But uh, my guess would be that Wade Phillips doesn't return to the Los Angeles Rams. But uh, we'll find that out more next week. So hopefully in a week from today, uh, it is the first Happy New Year, everybody. But uh, hopefully in a week from today, my show that I do uh, next week, hopefully we'll have some information on that. And maybe we can talk about some potential candidates to who's going to be taking over some of these uh, open positions. Because, of course, there's going to be some shakeups uh, come with the coaching staff. Uh, next up, the Rams enter the offseason with $23.7 million in cap space. That is according to Track. Only six teams carry less dead cap into 2020 than the L.A. Rams, which is a good thing. I mean, uh, the Rams dead cap space looking at, I mean, they're only spending, I think it was somewhere in the $300,000 range as far as dead cap goes. So that's pretty good. Obviously have some contracts that may not look the best on paper, but overall this Rams team really not in the worst spot coming into the 2020 offseason. I know some people feel like, you know, with the lack of cap, uh, the cap space, which actually isn't that terrible in the in the lack of the lack of draft capital. 
kind of causing some concern. But keep in mind, I mean, the Rams have a pretty strong roster still, and we still have a pretty strong coaching staff. We'll see what it looks like coming into next year, but still have our core, still have our, our star players, and, you know, hopefully hopefully this can all work out. We can get some uh, some new pieces coming into next year, because obviously 9-7, and got to do a little bit better than that. So, uh, if we, especially if the NFC West is going to look like it did this year, which was absolutely insane, but... You know, uh, overall, the Rams actually not looking too bad in terms of cap and entering the offseason still have some wiggle room to to make some moves. And there are some options as well that we'll talk about a little bit later. We're going to get into some offseason stuff uh, next uh, or later on in the show. But we'll we'll talk about some ways that the, the Rams can can open up some space and uh, maybe some that you guys won't like so much. But I'm not saying these are going to happen. I'm just saying that there are ways that the Rams could improve their cap situation a little bit even though it's not as bad I think as people as some people think it is uh, and last up I, I talk about this a lot but I still see so many comments on it so feel free to share this information with as many people as you you feel fit because I think people need this information I think this is information that is kind of lacking right now just a little bit but you know it's all it's all good so new uniforms logos and color scheme to be announced this off season. And uh, my prediction, I, I've been telling everybody that uh, look out for it come April time. That's usually when these things release. Uh, the Jets, last year, they released theirs on April 4th. The Buccaneers, back in 2014, released theirs in March. It was late March. And the Seahawks, back in 2012, they released theirs on April 4th as well. So that is, of course, a, a, a pretty standard time to release your stuff. And, of course, they do want to do it before the draft. This is pretty normal to do it pre-draft because... With the draft caps, all that stuff, all the all the promos that are going into the NFL for the NFL draft and everything, they like to have the updated stuff. Of course, you don't want to you don't want to send out a draft pick wearing a hat of a logo that you're going to get rid of in a week, you know. So uh, that that will come out before the draft. It's just a matter of when exactly. I will tell you this though: don't believe any leaks until at least March. At least March. I guarantee, 100% guarantee this. You guys can hold me to this all you want to, but I guarantee that any logo you've seen right now and have been told it's a leak or think it's a leak, it's not. That's not what the Rams logo is. Uh, these leaks were coming out when Kevin Demoff was still telling us that they hadn't even selected their new logo yet, that they were still picking from three choices. And uh, if you guys want more information on that, I mean, a very <laughs> it's a very easy Google search, Kevin Demoff, new uniforms, whatever you want to search. He has been pretty open. He talked about about it with uh, season ticket holders that uh, the scheme should be blue and yellow. That's what is well. That's what he said, and uh, that they were still picking from the new logos. But it was unlike anything we've ever seen before. My guess is front facing Ram logo, and as far as the color scheme, I'm I'm guessing it's going to be dark blue and yellow, uh, kind of like this flag that's behind me. I, I think that that's going to be closer to the color scheme. And the the uniforms, we've been told that it's going to be a modern take on the classics. So uh, it is going to look, I think, decently similar to uh, what the throwbacks have been, the, what the Rams have been wearing as their primary uniforms the last two years, but a little bit of a modern twist on that. So what that means, I'm not sure. We'll have to find out. We'll probably find out at the same time. And if I see any leaks or anything like that, I usually I won't post those uh, just because if the team's not wanted out, then I'm not about to uh, to, to put anything on on blast for them. So, uh, you know, it's uh, I follow the proper schedule. Some other people might uh, release some leaks for you guys. There's a billion Rams podcasts out there that you guys can listen to that that uh, deal with stuff like that more than I do. So uh, let's take a look at the offseason schedule. I'm going to kind of run through this because it's not so crazy. 
Uh, but I did, you know, some of these dates are, I think, kind of important. And if you guys are as intense about football as I am, if you're listening to me today, which is, you know, the podcast of the Rams being out of the playoffs and not having another game for uh, another nine months, uh, then then I, I know that you're a pretty hardcore fan. So first and foremost, we got the scouting combine coming up. That's February 24th to March 2nd. February 25th is the first day that teams can place a franchise or transition tag on a player. March 10th is the deadline for franchise or transition tags. March 18th, free agency begins, and that is also the new league year. That comes at, uh, what will that be, 11 a.m. L.A. time, because that's uh, 2 o'clock. Oh, actually, you know what? I lied. That's 4 o'clock. I'm kind of messing up math in my head because I'm in Colorado, so it's 2 o'clock out here for me usually, but that'll be 1 o'clock for you guys out in L.A. Uh, for the new league year on March 18th. March 29th through April 1st, that's going to be the annual league meetings. April 20th, we got the off-season workout programs for teams with returning head coaches. And the reason I put that date in there is because obviously the Rams have a returning head coach, so that's the one that is important to us. And after that, let's see here, we got April 23rd to the 25th is the 2020 NFL Draft. Of course, if you guys are not super insane about the draft, you guys can wait and not watch the draft on day one because the Rams, again, will not be picking that day. And uh, for the next few years, you can kind of go ahead and uh, count day one off unless we make some some trades, which with less Sneed is not off the table by any means. April 17th, teams can try out players who played for the 2020 season in the XFL. So that's an interesting little wrinkle to the uh, to the offseason schedules that now we're actually getting. Uh, this didn't happen with the AAF, which I found interesting, is that the XFL is really working with the NFL in this, and the NFL is obviously accepting that. And uh, come April 17th, teams can now try out and sign players that played in the XFL that is set to take place. I think that begins next month which is going to be crazy. I'm sure most of you guys out there uh, with, uh, I don't even remember the LA team name. I actually don't remember it at all. I want to say it's the Wildcats. I, I don't think that's right, though. <laughs> it might be. but And then uh, St. Louis Battlehawks. I know a lot of you guys are uh, the St. Louis fans, the LA fans. Uh, I don't have a team yet in the XFL. I was really riding high on the AAF. I, I was a big San Diego Fleet fan. Go Fleet. But, uh, you know, the XFL it hasn't really caught my attention like I hoped it would. It is football, though, and now that the Rams are out, I'm sure by the time it starts, I'll be super jacked for that. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens uh, in the XFL. If you guys are watching and seeing some players that you guys think are awesome, then who knows? Come April 17th, maybe they could be Rams. Uh, May 8th through the 11th, teams can hold a three-day rookie mini camp for their 2020 rookies. August 6th is the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, and September 5th, is when rosters need to be at 53 men, and September 10th is the Thursday night kickoff game. So the, the week of September 10th, we'll get a whole bunch of football, and uh, real football, football that matters again. So what does that put us like? 11, 12, 13, the 13th should be the Rams' first game, uh, depending on uh, if, I mean, we could get a Monday night game. That's pretty standard, and especially opening a new, new stadium, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rams open up in week one with the late Monday night kickoff at home, uh, probably a division opponent, if I had to guess, considering how strong the NFC West is right now. But we'll see what happens. Of course, uh, you know, the schedule, we got like four more months for that at least to come out. So we'll keep an eye on that. I got my fingers crossed that the Rams can play a preseason game in Denver, though, this year before I move away from Colorado forever. 
which is I'm really excited about, by the way. So, uh, all right, let's. It's time to go under the ridge top. So let's go ahead and, and uh, let's go under the ridge top. So first and foremost, uh, if you guys don't, aren't familiar with this segment, this is just a segment where I like to kind of give my two cents in some in some stuff. I, for the most part, I try to give you guys as much information as possible and let you guys form your own opinions because you guys are smart individuals. You guys can absolutely form your own opinions as long as you have enough information, which is what I try to provide for you. If you guys do want uh, opinion laden, uh, you know, podcasts, there's there's plenty of those out there. So make sure you guys check them out. Uh, some good ones. Not I'm not trying to bash these guys. There's some really good podcasts out there uh, involving just the Rams. Uh, most of those guys have multiple people so a different dynamic it's not just me talking at you you got some other people and some other things going on but this is where i give you guys my opinion so under the ridge top this week very simple stuff okay one or two plays one or two games one or two players is not why the rams missed the playoffs this year if greg zerline hits the field goal against the seahawks the entire season changes not just that one game if rap doesn't give up the deep ball to sanders that doesn't change just the outcome of that game. That, what that means is the Vikings don't rest their starters in Week 17 because now they have a playoff spot on the line. And it's very realistic to think that they could beat the Bears with their starters. The Rams did not miss the playoffs because of one of these plays. They missed the playoffs because they were wildly inconsistent all season long. Giving up 55 to the Buccaneers, losing by 5 to the Steelers, Todd Gurley not getting a carry in the fourth quarter of that one, Cooper Cup not getting a catch in that one, and losing by 5 to the Steelers. I mean, that's, that's a game that could have easily been flipped. Missing the field goal against the Seahawks, obviously. Giving up 44 to the Dallas Cowboys, who are not 44 points good. Uh, this team was good this year, but obviously not good enough. And I, for one, am just really stoked that we've reached a point in our Rams fandom where 9-7 and seven is a bad season. I remember it, it's not even that many years ago that I would have done some pretty shady things to see the Rams win nine games in a season. So I think we're going to be okay, and I think last year made us a little bit greedy. That's okay, though. You're allowed to be a little greedy. It's okay. But 9-7, and seven, that's actually not terrible. For the Rams to have a bad season and end 9-7, and seven, it could be much worse. Also, fun fact about the 9-7 and seven season, this is only the third time it's uh, coming across the ticker on the YouTube channel right now, but this is only a third time ever that the Rams have ended the season with a 9-7 and record and only the seventh time that the Rams have ended a season with nine wins. I thought that was really interesting. That just uh, that nine-win season doesn't seem to come very often for the Rams, so the fact that it happened this year is a little bit weird. Well, let's move on. Let's go into this leaderboard, and I got a lot of information coming at you guys on this one, and I... I I'm hoping that it makes sense to you guys. I, my brain works in a weird way and how I type this stuff out and how I take my notes. Uh, it may not make a lot of sense to everybody, but here we go. All right. The, obviously, your passing leader this year, Jared Goff, 4,638 passing yards, 22 touchdowns to 16 interceptions, a QBR 48.2. Of those passing yards, 2,370 were air yards and 2,000. 268 came yards after the catch so big props to the Rams wideouts and tight ends and riders or and uh, running backs uh, for getting Goff up to that uh, 4000 uh, over the 4500 mark which is pretty cool third most passing yards in a single season uh, by a Rams quarterback 50 yards behind himself from last year so 50 more yards than he would have tied last year's totals for second all-time in uh, Rams history if you would if you guys are curious first is obviously greatest show on turf Kurt Warner days 
Uh, Jared Goff is now sixth all-time in Rams history in um, in passing yards, seventh in touchdowns, and second in passer rating of quarterbacks to throw for at least 30 passes. A lot of information there, I know, but uh, it gets way worse, so buckle up. Rushing, your rushing leader was Todd Gurley, of course. 857 yards, 12 total touchdowns, 3.8 yards per carry, which was very low, and uh, 51 or 57, excuse me, 0.1 yards per game. His 21 broken tackles, so still has the ability to to shed some stuff, but only 1.8 yards average after his first hit. He had the uh, the 41. Mo- he currently has the or I guess it is over now. The the season is over. Ended with the 40. First most rushing yards in a single season, tied for 10th most rushing touchdowns in a single season, though. And Todd Gurley is now up to 6th all-time in Rams history in rushing yards and is tied for 1st in rushing touchdowns with 58, tied with Marshall Fox. So any more touchdowns for Todd Gurley on the ground, and he is your all-time leading touchdown scorer on the ground. Very specific stat, but I'll take it. He also, uh, he did lead the team and dropped passes with seven. Cooks and Woods both had four. The team, 27 total. That is absolutely high. Very, very high. The highest drop percentage goes to wide receiver Mike Thomas. 20% drop percentage. Only five targets, though. So, he dropped one pass, but 20%, not very good. And I'm, I'm very harsh of, of Mike Thomas, uh, Aaron knows uh, my he's one of my one of the bros out here that I watch games with. He knows my my uh, I don't want to say my dislike. I, I just I'm surprised that he keeps making the roster. That's what I'll uh, I'll put it at that. I feel like that's strong to say. And then uh, the highest uh, for a wide receiver as far as drop percentage below Mike Thomas was uh, Josh Reynolds with three drops, seven percent drop percentage for him. Uh, let's take a look at some receiving yards. We got Cooper Cup leading the team. 94 receptions, 1,161 yards, 10 touchdowns. The fifth most receptions in a season for a Rams player. 21st most receiving yards for a Rams player. Tied for the sixth most touchdowns by a Rams player. And those are all single season numbers. Uh, and Cooper Cup now 17th all-time in Rams history in receiving yards. He's tied for 14th in touchdowns with Preston Denard. So... Cooper Cup playing absolutely amazing. 17th all-time already in receiving yards. Kid's still young. He hasn't even gotten his second contract yet. That's amazing. He's going to be he's gonna be climbing up that list, and uh, he will absolutely end top five, if not become the number one guy. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Of course, it's a long career. Not only are games long, but seasons are long, careers are long, contracts are long. Decades are kind of long. Remember last decade when we took Bradford? Oh, man. Good times. Good times. Anyway, yeah, moving on here. Robert Woods, uh, also in the receiving department, 90 receptions, 1,134 yards, just two touchdowns. Led the team in yards after catch, however, with 574. Cooper Cup with 538, so very close race there. Tyler Higby, 69 receptions, 734 yards, three touchdowns. Those 734 yards is a new Rams record for receiving yards in a single season. Did want to also mention that tight end Gerald Everett had zero drops this season, only one of three players to have at least one target and no drops. Those other two, that's Nick Scott and David Long, each who had just one target apiece. So do that math if you guys want to, uh, but they didn't drop any passes because they caught the only one that was to them. 
and Gerald Everett, the only other player that, to get a target and not drop the ball this year. So drops uh, are a big problem on this year on this year's team. So you know, twenty seven. That's kind of a lot. Uh, I don't. I know that they they that's more than like Larry Fitzgerald has his entire career. So do the math, I guess. <laughs> Let's see. Let's take a look at the defense. Uh, these are just some numbers for you guys. We do have some some rankings here, but uh, just some numbers for you guys. Corey Littleton led the team in tackles, 134 tackles, two interceptions, three and a half sacks, four forced or uh, excuse me, fumble recoveries. Eric Weddle had 108 total tackles. He was second in tackles, four passes defended. Really no other stats, though, for Eric Weddle. Uh, definitely a down year as far as Eric Weddle is concerned. Uh, but you know what? He's not going to be back next year. I feel very confident in that. We'll talk about that again. Uh, we'll do that a little in uh, actually right after this. But we'll talk about who I think stays and who I think goes. But Eric Weddle definitely didn't necessarily help the Rams as much as I thought he might. Second year in a row with no interceptions for Weddle. So uh, four passes defended. He did like lay the boom a couple of times, but... You know, outside of that, not overly exciting. Uh, let's see. Aaron Donald had 12 and a half sacks, 48 total tackles, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, two passes defended, 24 quarterback hits, and a safety. He is now fourth all-time in Rams history in forced fumbles. He is behind Leonard Little, Robert Quinn, and O.J. Otagwe, a name that I love to say. If I get a chance to talk about Oshimago Otagwe on the show, I'm going to take that every single time. I'm actually, uh, I'm trying to find, if, if you guys know of a place I can buy a nameplate for a jersey, I'm trying to turn my Jenkins jersey into uh, an Otagway jersey. I've wanted to do this for like six years or something, but, you know, it just keeps getting away from me. Aaron Donald also third all-time in sacks now with 72. He is behind Kevin Green, who has 72.5, so very close to Kevin Green as far as Rams sacks all-time, and Leonard Little leading the Rams all-time, 87 and a half, so... Aaron Donald, of course, has the chance to to get both of those uh, just next year. He could become the Rams' all-time leading sack artist. And uh, Aaron Donald is number one all-time in franchise history. He tackles for loss with 117. Leonard Little in second place at 89. First in quarterback hits with 173. Second is Robert Quinn with 108. So if uh, if you guys are keeping track, I actually those two were already, he was already in first place entering the season. Just wanted to throw that out there, but it, it slipped by me last year, so we're talking about it now. And uh, Troy Hill on the coverage side, 45.6 completion percentage given up, which is easily the best on the team, by far uh, the best on the team. Corey Littleton gave up the most passing touchdowns with four, and get this, there's three guys tied for second place. One of them, Marky Christian. The other two, Marcus Peters, Akib Tlaib. Two guys who haven't played on the Rams this year since, what was it, week six? So it's been quite a while, and they are still tied for second in the most touchdowns given up by uh, by one player. Troy Reeder, a guy that we've talked about uh, a decent amount. I mean, we've talked about him a little bit here, but uh, I just wanted to point these numbers out. Uh, Troy Reeder definitely playing much better in the ground game than in pass coverage. And just some numbers that kind of stuck out to me as far as Troy Reader's pass coverage. And this is, it's kind of, it stood out because he plays next to Corey Littleton, who's actually becoming one of the better coverage linebackers in the NFL. Hopefully he comes back next year, but uh, Troy Reader, uh, not the same way as far as covering the pass. 14 and a half yards uh, per attempt given up, 158 passer rating given up, which is just 0.3 below perfect rating given up. 
you know, 15.4 yards per completion and a completion percentage given up of 94.1. So Troy Reader not getting it done in pass coverage. I did want to mention this as well. Two guys that uh, did come to the Rams as veterans and uh, not necessarily playing up to their uh, full potential but again they're on the older side Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews led the team in missed tackles with 10 apiece get this stat though all right this is I actually posted this one because I it kind of jumped out to me very much so and uh, that is that Clay Matthews missed 21.3 percent of his tackles that means to put that into perspective for you every five times that Clay Matthews tries to get tries to tackle somebody He's missing one of those. He's a linebacker. Shouldn't be missing one of every five tackle attempts. That's absolutely absurd. So, Clay Matthews, I don't expect him back next year. We'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of not expecting people back next year, let's go ahead and go into, uh, I, I just, there's a working title, coming or going. Coming or going. And uh, this is the Rams free agents. Let's see uh, who comes and who goes. All right, to start off this list, we are starting with left tackle Andrew Whitworth. I think this is the biggest name, obviously, one of the bigger names. We do have some big names as far as free agents go, but Andrew Whitworth, uh, I'm going to go ahead. These are my predictions here. I'm going to give you guys the name of the free agent, and I'm going to let you guys know whether or not I think they're coming back or not. All right, so Andrew Whitworth, I'm going to go ahead and say I think he retires. I know that that's not been the, the narrative and that he's already mentioned that he wants to come back in 2020. I think because similar to the Wade Phillips situation, Sean McVay is is prepared or uh, I guess expected to sit down with Andrew Whitworth and discuss his future with the Rams. And I think that at that point, I think Andrew Whitworth announces his retirement. It was a very awesome run. He played, obviously he got to the Super Bowl for us, uh, helped us get to the Super Bowl, which was very fun. And, uh, and he's now defeated all 32 NFL teams now that the Rams were able to defeat the Cincinnati Bengals earlier this season in London. I just, I think that his, I think that his time is over and we'll see if, uh, I, I do think he's, he's Hall of Fame worthy. I think that he's done a lot, uh, you know, not necessarily on the best teams. Uh, the Rams last year, the 2018 Rams definitely being the strongest team that Andrew Whitworth played for. Uh, but I do anticipate the 38 year old left tackle to retire. Next up is Michael Brockers at 29 years old. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Rams do not bring Michael Brockers back and that he tests the open market. Dante Fowler Jr. at 25 years old. I do believe that the Rams will bring him back. I think that Fowler has kind of created a, a, a strong presence on the Rams' pass rush and pairing him with Aaron Donald I think is very strong. I think that the, the coaches in the front office, I think they understand that. And I, I expect Dante Fowler to be back. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. Uh, Greg Zerline at 32 years old definitely had his worst season this year. I, I want to say his his percentage had it up. Uh, it was it's in the 70s, 70s for his kicking percentage. I want to say it was high 70, like 78 or something. But Greg Zerline, 32 years old, has had injury issues. I'm going to go ahead and say that the Rams do not bring back uh, Greg Zerline. I think we see either a rookie come in. There's a lot of kickers that are free agents right now, most of them for a very good reason. Greg Zerline, I still, in some ways, trust more than I trust some of these other guys, but I don't think it's going to uh, 
I don't think it's going to happen. I think GZ's time is done. I think he's going to end as the second all-time leading scorer in Rams franchise history behind Jeff Wilkins. And next up is Corey Littleton at 26 years old. I had mentioned earlier he's becoming one of the better coverage linebackers in the NFL. I do expect the Rams to bring him back. Safety, Marquis Christian at 25 years old. Very strong depth player. And with Weddle expected to leave, uh, he is under contract, but I, I do anticipate the Rams would cut him. Uh, Marquis Christian, I think, would ne- would kind of come in and next to John Johnson and Taylor Rapp, kind of play that role that Taylor Rapp was playing this year, where the Rams really played a lot of three safety stuff. And I think that uh, Christian could be a candidate to really take over that kind of role. And I think that he would play really well there. Uh, Wide receiver Mike Thomas, 25 years old. I'm going to go ahead and say that he does not come back. Uh, Has just simply had more plays where he's done something wrong than done something right. And it's, you know, pretty simple there. I don't think that uh, the Rams would necessarily need Mike Thomas back. Austin Blythe kind of resurrected his season just a little bit, moving over from that left guard spot to the center position. I do expect the Rams to re-sign him. Johnny Munt at 25 years old, I do expect the Rams to re-sign him. Uh, Let's see here, Blake Bortles at 28. This one is kind of up in the air. I think it's kind of a toss-up. I went ahead and put that I think that he'll be re-signed, but uh, we'll see what happens. Of course, he could very easily not be re-signed and maybe go somewhere else. Uh, who knows? Somebody else is looking for a backup, willing to pay him a little bit more. Uh, maybe he can go back to Jacksonville or something since the whole Foles thing didn't work out. Foles is only good in Philly. I think, and we know that. We Rams fans know that. Uh, linebacker Bryce Hager, who was a starter to begin the season, 27 years old. I do think the Rams re-sign him, but still feel the same way about Bryce Hager as I did entering the season. I think he's pretty strong on special teams, but not much more. Uh, Morgan Fox, 25. He is a restricted free agent. I do expect the Rams to bring him back. Dante Dion, at 25 years old, restricted free agent again. I do expect him to come back. And restricted free agent wide receiver Jojo Natson, also at 25 years old. I do expect him to come back. Josh Carraway, the linebacker, at 25. I don't expect him back. Simba Webster, 23. I do expect him to come back over Mike Thomas for sure. Uh, especially with Jojo Natson and Simba Webster. I think that we could get a good uh, kick returner slash punt returner battle there. And Coleman Shelton, 24. I do not expect the Rams to bring him back. Eric Weddle has the 2020 team option. I do not expect Eric Weddle to have this option picked up. Uh, and I did want to mention some uh, some some ways that the Rams could free up some space. And by no means am I saying that this is what the Rams are going to do or that I think that the Rams should do this, or that it's my opinion that this is how the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl next year. All I'm saying is the truth, all right? And these are just straight facts, all right? I'm not saying that I want this to happen. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm just saying that it's this is what would happen if, okay? So cutting Clay Matthews, Eric Weddle, Jer- and Gerald Everett, those three alone that frees up $9.2 million in extra cap space if you take away all the, you know, the dead cap and all that stuff. Gerald Everett, I don't want to see get released. But I do think it's worth noting that the way that Tyler Higby ended the season, what was it? Did he have the 100 yards receiving in uh, Week 17? I need to check that because if he did, then uh, I'm pretty sure he did. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not overly confident anymore. No, he didn't. It was 84 yards. Okay, so it, he did get close, but he had the uh, he was one of the the first tight ends since the merger to have four straight games of seven plus catches and 100 plus yards. 
uh, in yeah, four straight games, and then he almost did that uh, for five straight, but he blew away his season totals. You know, I want to say that his previous career high was 284, if I'm not mistaken, and now, of course, he got back up to, uh, let me just find the number here, 734 this year, which is not only a career high for him for a single season, but that is also just the that's the Rams record for receiving yards by a tight end in a single season. It, Rams not necessarily known for having dope tight ends in their history, but uh, Tyler Higby, I think, is his emergence, especially at the end of the season there where he became one of Goff's favorite targets for sure. I think that pushes Gerald Everett a little bit down. Johnny Munt is more of a blocking tight end, does have a couple of receptions, but he's more of a blocker. Everett, again, I would not like to see him go, but if the cap uh, requires it, then it does. Uh, the Rams can also free up $16.8 million by converting Jared Goff's $20 million roster bonus for 2020. We've seen that happen plenty of times with other players. Uh, Johnny Hecker's done it recently. Uh, so I do think that that's a very strong possibility, and I think that Goff would be receptive to that because, I mean, he still makes a buttload of money but helps the team. So you would think that that would make sense for him to do. Uh, the, the Rams, I just wanted to put this out there. The Rams eat $17.8 million to trade Brandon Cooks. So I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen. Uh, and the Rams do save $6 million if they cut Robert Woods after June 1st. So lots of lots of moving parts here. Lots of moving parts. And uh, players returning from an injury uh, next year that are currently on the roster. We'll see what, what happens uh, regarding a lot of these roster moves. Uh, that we will surely get, hopefully soon. I like I like the news, but uh, returning players from injury, we got center Brian Allen, linebacker Josh Caraway, although he is a free agent. Linebacker Bryce Hager was a starter to begin the season. Safety John Johnson, another starter. Micah Kaiser, who I was pretty high on entering the year. Um, I'm not sure if you know the the way his rookie season went and the way this year went, if he's necessarily got a long term career in the NFL. Uh, and it's not because of lack of talent. I think he is extremely talented, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. The average NFL career is like two years. So uh, Micah Kaiser could be kind of just a casualty to the game of being hurt a little too much, not really getting his opportunities and just kind of falling off uh, the roster. Uh, defensive end Justin Lawler, kind of similar situation, but I do think he's not as talented as uh, as really as I did when we drafted him. I, I was pretty pretty high on, on uh, Justin Lawler, but... You know, as as I kept seeing him play, it was like, you know what, maybe this, this kid I don't think has it. So we'll see what happens uh, if he comes back. Wide receiver Jojo Natson, we talked about him as well as an RFA. I do expect him back. Offensive lineman Joseph Noteboom, who could very well be the Rams starting left tackle next year, pending the Andrew Whitworth news. But uh, Bobby Evans played really well at that right tackle spot. We could see such a shift where uh, Noteboom is now our right tackle, you know, Evans over to left tackle and then maybe Edwards stays at right and I don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities Corbett played pretty well I do think he would he would be a strong backup player as a, uh, just kind of an interior backup uh, but you know Edwards Evans obviously Blythe and and Nopum I think are going to be four of the five starting uh, linemen for the Rams and then on the corner side of things we got Dominique Hatfield who uh, also is coming back from injury. I just, I just blew through all that. That was awesome. And I want to appreciate I want to thank you guys for taking some time and, and listening to me rant about this a little bit because I feel like I almost did. I feel like I almost ranted uh, just a little bit. But we got through it. You guys have all the information you guys need. 
And uh, make sure you guys follow Ram Showcase on all your favorite social media. That would be at Ram Showcase on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook.com slash Ram Showcase. You can follow me as well at Sheriff Joe Bags on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook.com slash Sheriff Joe Bags. Try to keep it pretty simple for you guys. My sunlight, unfortunately, faded. My lighting was okay here, and now it's and now it's darker. So thanks, Winter. It's been fun. Uh, that is going to do it for me, though. I am Sheriff Joe Bags. This has been Rams Showcase on Sports War Radio. For those of you that aren't Rams fans, our thoughts and prayers are with you. For those of you that are Rams fans, thank you guys so much for listening, and you guys have a great night. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.